0: Good morning. Welcome. Great to see you. An hour earlier than we saw you last week. Um, we're in a series called "A Dialogue with Mystery," uh, and we said this last week that, that there is this deep truth embedded into the fabric of our beings, whether you're a follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus, whether you're religious or not religious, uh, you experience this, that you were created for more. You're created for more than your to-do list. You're created for more than just simply taking kids to and fro, soccer fields and baseball fields. You're created for more than just simple upward mobility and the work you're doing. You were created, I was created, to engage in a life-giving Soul shaping relationship with the God of the universe. We were created, to say another way, we were created for our Creator. That is personal. That is intimate. That is sweet. You were created. We were created for this dialogue with mystery. The question, though, is how, how do you engage in a relationship with God? The more you were created for, how do you engage in that in a way that actually is soul-shaping, life-giving, uh, and, and absolutely purpose-fulfilling? Because a lot of times when we talk about a conversation with God, the word that gets thrown out there is the word Prayer. And prayer is really not, we don't think of prayer as this soul-shaping, life-giving. In fact, I would argue there's some in this room that go, yes, but there's other, wow, that is a checklist. That is a duty. I somehow go through the motions to try to get God to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, last week we talked about the foundation of this It's called the family name if you didn't listen to it, go back and go to awakeningchurch.com yes, that was a plug uh, for uh, but I want you to listen to it It's powerful what God says and that our your identity as a son and daughter shapes Everything about how we relate. Next week is my favorite one of the series. We're talking about the gift of disorientation. And I got to tell you, um, this is one in where it will flip your world upside down, but it will also make sense of your world. Do not miss next week. Palm Sunday. Really looking forward to it. This morning is going to be practical. Morning's gonna be kind of the nuts and bolts of the series. And, and this morning, we're gonna talk about how do you actually engage in prayer in such a way that it changes you and the world around you. How do you actually have a conversation with God that's dynamic, that's life giving, and yet the ripple effect isn't just for you alone but for everyone around you, that it impacts you and the world around you. Now, I want to be clear, because before we dive in, I just want to be clear. This whole series is this way. My goal and my aim isn't to teach you something new. For many in this room, this is not new. It is to remind you of something old. My aim and my goal is to take what you already know and do the long journey from your head to your heart. My aim today is not that you'd go, yeah, that's right. It's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to begin to apply and step into that type of relationship. Okay? You with me this morning? Good. All right. I mean, I know we lost an hour, but you're doing okay. Okay. So how do you pray in a way that not only changes you, but the world around you? And and I'll, I'll say it this way. It's the answer. We'll give it right up front and then we'll explain it. The answer is simply this. Don't stop short. All right. Can you just say that with me? Don't. Yeah, yeah, I was going to have you do it again, but you did well. You did well. Uh, But don't stop short. Uh, And it'll make more sense by the end of the sermon. But the answer to engaging in prayer isn't like, hey, I got to pray longer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, hey, you prayed 10 minutes. Now you stop short. Hello. You missed out. You were five minutes away. (laughs) You're five. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the length of prayer. I'm talking about the type of prayer. Have you ever stopped short on something? You realize that you stopped short and as a result, you missed out? I mean, we've had it all kinds. Some of you have some really painful ones. There was an investment that you stopped short on. You just didn't quite invest in that company and you later find out that Apple wasn't a funny name. You know, and you could have made a lot of money. You later find out that Google wasn't silly, that it actually became something. You're like, that'll never turn into anything. Uh, you ever stop short on a conversation, a little more serious? You, you, you didn't quite say what you wanted to say or needed to be said, and as a result, that relationship deteriorated. Sometimes we stop short, by the way, in conversations. This is for free, not where we're going. Sometimes we stop short in conversations for some just with truth and never get to the grace, and relationships deteriorate, and some stop short from truth, and they start with all grace, and relationships deteriorate. Have you ever stopped? short? Sure. We've experienced that. I experienced it recently and like, because there's something internal when we hit some things that we just want to... No, no, no. I don't want to go there. Um, this last week, I had an MRI uh, for my shoulder. Uh, and so I went in for MRI. It's my first one. I've had some surgeries, but I've never had an MRI before. Uh, and I wanted to... Everything within me wanted to stop short. In fact, the night before, I, I told my wife... And I think it was more because I didn't want to go into the tube, you know. I didn't want. I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I was, you know, I was in a cave once as a kid, and wow, that freaked me out. I had flashbacks, and so I went um, I, that night and called them. Couldn't get a hold of them. Went online, tried to cancel my appointment, couldn't do it. <laughs> My appointment's early at 8.50 in the morning. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to have an MRI. I've had a bad shoulder for like eight months, and I just figured if I ignore it, it might get better. It's not working. So this is me at the... uh, And that's actually a nervous smile. (laughs) As they take me, and I'm in my obviously beautiful, wonderful gown, and then my boots, which is awesome, a new fashion style. I thought of wearing that this morning. Uh, but I, I, I walk in, and what was crazy is the guys. How are you doing? I'm like, great. Okay, you just need to hold really still. Okay, do you have any metal in you? I'm like, not that I know of. Uh, you know. And so we walk through, and then I think we're going to go, and this machine that they have. Some of you know this. This machine that they have is not even in the hospital. It's outside in, like, this secret covert box. It reminded me of, like, the CIA. I'm walking in, and this is mission control for some operation, and I didn't know I was a part of it. Like, put me in, but I don't want to wear this, you know? And so I come in there, and then the guy reiterates, don't move. If you move, you have to stay in there longer. Yeah, no problem. And then because of where my, it's right on my shoulder, my MRI is, he said, by the way, um, even deep breaths shake. So try not to do deep breaths. I'm like, so I can't move or breathe. What is this? And so they shoved me into this tube. And honestly, for the first like five minutes, I just kept my eyes closed because I wasn't sure how I was going to respond. And then curiosity got the best of me. I want to know because all of a sudden, if you haven't been in there, all these noises. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're like shipping me off to space. This is a spaceship. This is a tunnel that's taking me to space. And then I look up and I see these lights right in my eye. I'm like, I've been abducted by aliens. I don't know what's going on. But then I'm trying not to breathe. And so I'm like, shallow breaths. So like halfway through, I'm starting to have a panic attack. And in in my head, I'm preaching a sermon called Don't Stop Short. I'm like, don't stop short. Lord, don't let me die now. Don't let me die now and get out. But I would like to suggest that for many of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to having a life-changing encounter with the King Most High, that is... Is just part of this intimate dialogue with him. One of the barriers for you to experience that is actually this idea of stopping short. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians is going to unpack this idea of don't stop short. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. We've been teaching through this, verse 16. And he's going to teach us how to pray in a way that we experience both intimacy with God and then transformation in our lives. How do we experience intimacy? Like communion, like God. Like he's actually deeply connected friend, father, and at the same time transformation where we're not left the same. Context. Like last week, the Apostle Paul's writing from a Roman prison. He's awaiting trial before Nero. Ultimately, he will be executed here. And during this time in prison, he's making it very productive. He is writing letters to all the churches in the areas that he's, uh, that he's planted, and he's sending them out, and he's writing to. Ephesus or the city called Ephesians uh, or the people called Ephesians and it's really this area of Asia Minor. He's writing this big letter to this area of Asia Minor about the church and how to engage God. And he, This is his prayer for these people. This is what he prays for them. Now think about this. If you're in prison awaiting trial and you know that you're not getting out What would you pray? What would be the contents of your prayer for people that you love? What would be your prayer for people that you love that you most likely will never see again? And we get an inside look to hear what Paul prays for people that he loves, that he'll never see again. And here's what he prays. I pray, I know it's underlined in your notes, but if in your Bible, underline that. We're going to get to that. That out of his glorious riches. I love that. That's like his starting point. I don't know if you've read many of Paul's prayers, but that's often his starting point, is out of God's abundance, God's riches, That his limitless resources, that's my starting point of prayer. And I don't know about you, but that's not often my starting point with prayer. My starting point sometimes comes from a scarcity mindset. Sometimes comes from, you know what, God, if you can, if you're willing, if you might be able to. And Paul's going, no, no, no. Hey, just so you know, I may be in prison and it doesn't look good, but you know where I'm praying from. I'm not praying from prison. I'm praying from God's unlimited resources, his glory. Glorious riches. That's my starting point and foundation from which I pray. And here's what I'm praying that He may strengthen you with power. And power, Greek word is the word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. This, I, that God would strengthen you. That you think I need strength, but you're not in prison, but you need strength. And that the mighty wind and power of God would strengthen you. And here's where. Through the spirit in your inner being. The Greeks understood this word inner being to be your reason, your intellect, your conscience, and your will. That is the whole being, your character, who you are. He's praying this for the Ephesians that there would be a powerful movement of God that would strengthen the core of who they are. And here's what I love. He, he tells us why he praises. So that, and that word, so that. We're going to get to that in a bit. So that Christ may dwell. That word literally means to be at home. So that Christ may be at home in your hearts through faith. That that you would be strengthened, kiss this, this is so good. That you would be strengthened in the character of who you are, that your life would be so shaped by the presence and the power of God that Christ dwells in you. That's, That's not what he's praying, that he's saying that Christ would be at home, that it wouldn't feel like a visitation, he wouldn't feel like a stranger. He would be at home because your life reflects the character and the nature of God. That's his prayer. He goes on. Again, I pray, and I pray, circle that or underline that, that you being rooted and established in love. Again, starting point. Start from love, not for love. Founded in love. May have power together with all the saints, this is a bigger story than just your story, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know, and that word know is a technical term, not just for head knowledge, it is to know knowledge by way of experience that you would have an understanding that is a full experiential understanding that to know the love that surpasses knowledge. See, by the way, to grasp God's love, Some of you wrestled with this, by the way. Some of you wrestled with understanding God's love for you. To grasp God's love, you need his power. To grasp God's love, you need him to strengthen you and empower you because his love is incomprehensible, by the way. And to comprehend the incomprehensible, you need God to empower you. And here's the reason why. This is the reason why he prays this. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That you would be so full of God. This is Paul's prayer for the people of Ephesus, for the people in Asia Minor. I could think of a lot of things that I would pray, especially when I'd start with power, by the way. Because when I start with power, God, I pray that you would empower them to do a mighty work. That the city would be reached. I think that's a good prayer too. You know what he knew? He knew that the quality of relationship of a follower of Jesus with Jesus would determine the impact of that life. That's what he knew. He knew that transformed people transform cities. That's what he knew, and so he actually said, "I'm going to pray for you, and that you would be so rooted and established and founded and grounded in His love. I'm going to pray for that because if that happens, you can't help but see the world around you differently. You can't help but treat people vastly differently. You can't help. It's amazing." It's an incredible, powerful prayer. And if I'm honest, it's unlike the prayers I pray. I don't know about you, so I don't want to judge you. I'm not going to I'll judge me. It's, it's very unlike the prayers I pray and so deeply challenged by that. But I want to point out one thing. That I believe will help turn your prayer time from simply informational to transformational, if you will. Because if you study the prayers of Paul, go to Colossians, the earlier in Ephesians, go to Galatians, you, you see this, this pattern. It's simple. But you see it's consistent. And here's what you notice. You notice that Paul does this. He says, I pray... And then there's a blank, and it's the contents of his prayer. There is no blank to fill in in your notes. Some of you are like, what is that blank? No blank. Just just relax. Just sit back. I pray, and then the contents of what he's praying, and then he does this. And this is where we so often stop short in our prayers because this is the way I've prayed for years is I pray, and then I bring to God what I'm praying to him about, and then I walk away, and I stop short. Here's where Paul's inviting us to not stop short. I pray contents of that prayer, and then... So that. In the Greek, it's the Greek word henna. We call it a henna clause. It's a purpose statement. I pray content so that here's the reason why I am praying. You wonder why Paul is able to pray a prayer like this? Because he's followed this pattern. It begins to transform the way you pray. Here's why. Think about this. So oftentimes we pray but we don't give a whole lot of thought of why we're praying for it or what we long to see happen out of it. See, here's the reason, here's the purpose that I'm praying. And when we begin to do that, it reveals our motives while I pray. By the way, for some, this is James uh, 4.3, it says that for many, we don't experience God's answer to prayer because we ask with the wrong motives. I pray. This is tr- I, I know it's simple. Some of you are like, really, really, really? Yes, 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 yes. Get this. Come on, come on. I pray. Here's what I'm praying so that here's why I'm praying. It moves your prayer from information to really transformational. Because a lot of times, if I'm honest, when I pray, they're kind of mindless prayers. I don't know if you have this, but I, I have contents to my prayer, but they're repeated content. They're just repetitious words. And sometimes I pray and I don't even think about what I'm praying. I don't, have you done this before? Hopefully I'm not alone. You know, I mean, some, you know, the nursery rhyme or prayer, some of you, you know, I, what, how's it go? I wrote it down in my notes because I can't, may I, now I lay me down to sleep. You know that one? I pray the Lord my soul to, thank you. And if I die before I, I pray the Lord my soul to. What a freaky, freaky, my gosh. Please don't pray that with your kids. Man, that is scary. I pray the Lord my soul to. I'm like, wow. But we we just say words because we think those are the words. Uh, with my kids, I growing up, uh, we had this prayer, and my dad would pray this with me, and pray to other things. But I kind of latched onto this because I, I I had some some things I was afraid of, maybe the dark and other scary monsters underneath my bed, you know, or that men were going to tunnel up underneath. I had all these weird fears, and so my my. <laughs> I still do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so my dad started praying this with me. Would you please give him good dreams, help him see good things in mind? Would you guard and protect us? And so here's what's interesting parents, the prayers we pray and how we with our kids actually inform and teach our kids how to pray as adults. We actually got to be thinking about that. And so I began to just pray this prayer with my kids. And so as I'd pray this prayer with them, I'd pray this prayer and I'd just go, Lord Jesus. Would you please give them good dreams, help them see good things in mind? Please guard and protect us. And I realized, well, wait a second. What am I doing? That's not a bad prayer, but I'm saying it mindlessly, so much so that we'll be around the dinner table when I'm really tired. Hands hold, held. Dear Jesus, will you please guard and protect us? Give us good dreams. Help us see good things in our mind and watch over us and bless this food. Amen. Okay. Right. Hello. And so often we pray mindless prayers. We often pray for God's provision or blessing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But we just say, God, would you bless this? God, would you bless this? What if you added, if you didn't stop short and you said, so that." God, we pray for, you know, around the area of, you know, um, protection. That's not a bad thing with my kids. But what if you said, so that, here's why I long for you to move in this area. Here's the so that, that you didn't stop short. We pray for God's presence. By the way, can I invite you to pray that a little bit differently? Jesus said, I am with you always. We actually don't need to pray for his presence. It's already there. But it is good to pray for an awareness of his presence. See, it's not that he's near or far, it's how aware we are of how near he is. And where we pray, God, may I be aware of your presence so that it changes the way you pray. It turns prayers from information and turns them into something that is a mindless thing sometimes we do, and all of a sudden it becomes intentional, it becomes powerful. And it begins to connect our heart to God's heart. I want to just give you maybe three applications. They're not new. you am sure many of you have heard them before. But just three places not to stop short. And just as we kind of talk about prayer and engaging the heart of God. First area is don't stop short of just thinking to pray. Prioritize. Time to pray. I don't know about you. Again, you're like, hey, I've heard this before. I know. Let's talk about doing it. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Okay, well let's talk about priorities then, because <laughs> our priorities determine our time, and you schedule in what's most important. Jesus, I, He had a pretty important mission. He had a pretty big job in front of him. I don't know if you know this, but he came to save the world, um, literally. I know some of our jobs, we think we're saving the world and we're doing a great work, but like his job was to like die for the world. <laughs> One person, that's cool, that's cool. <laughs> Get this. He's got three years. Think about this. He's got three years. <laughs> To instill into his followers what's most important. To, to, to so shape them that then they will spread the word and the movement of God. And you know what it says about Jesus? That he withdrew often to lonely places to pray. He withdrew often, it was his habit. See, would you not stop short about just thinking about prayer as it's a nice idea and thinking about prayer because you need to and thinking that's enough? Would you actually take time to pray? Would you schedule it in? And I don't know where it fits in your schedule. I really don't. For me, it fits at the beginning. I started a habit in college that has served me so well. In college, I made this decision. Before I start homework, I'm going to spend time with God. And then when I transition into the work world, I just made this decision. Before I start work, I'm going to spend time with God. That may not work for your schedule. I can get up early. It's great. I love early times because no one bothers me. There's no phone calls. Don't turn on the computers. No email. I just get to be with Jesus. But would you schedule it in? Maybe it's a lunch hour. Maybe it's before you go out for the night. Maybe it's before. I don't know what it is. Schedule it in. Would you set aside... A place. I mean, I get like, I love that you're praying in the car. I love the worship music in the car, on the commute. That's awesome. I love all that. But there's something about connecting with God when you have a place that your attention and your focus is him and not the guy that just cuts you off. And all of a sudden, I'm not connected with God because, hello, I need to let them know the justice of God. (laughs) Okay. Would you set aside a place? For me, this is just how it works. This, it's my couch. i like, that's not all that sacred. I know. Cup of coffee, my couch, and it's, no kids are awake. Hey. <laughs> and I get to spend time with God. You schedule it in. Would you set a place? Would, would, would you actually, actually, actually just set the time away to be? With him, And then uh, here's my invitation. Would you start small? For some, we get motivated. We hear a sermon. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to stop short. All right, here we go. Rocky, eye the tiger, right? We're going to get this down. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I was a prayer wimp, but now I'm a prayer warrior. Hello, I'm starting prayer warrior. And so you're getting after it. I'm going to get, I'm not thinking. I'm going to pray. Okay, okay. You're going to do, I'm going to plan to do an hour a day. For the rest of my life, first day, first hour feels like hell. And then you quit. Start small. Take 10 minutes. Just say this 10 minutes, it's God's. And you just connect with Jesus. You connect with the God of the universe who's eager to connect with you. Second thing, would you not stop short with general prayers, but be specific. Would you not stop short with general? Like, uh, we, we have these general prayers, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But here's what's so amazing about specific prayers. When you're specific, it opens up the door for God to get all the glory. When you're general, it allows the door to be open for happenstance, coincidence, and luck. So oftentimes we don't attribute the actual blessing of God and his answering of prayer because we were so general, we couldn't see him in the intricacies of our life. Jesus, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, ask, ask, knock, seek, find. And he shares this little story after it. It's so good. It's a little illustration. He says, Who of you with your kids, if they asked for bread, would give them a stone? None. Specific request. Who of you, if your kids asked for a fish, would give them a snake? None. Specific request. And then he says, This you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids. And I love this next line. Don't miss this. This is like game changer. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his kids? When we pray, we come to the God of the how much more. And we miss out on that how much more because we're so general in our request or we don't even ask and he's answering specifically. Let me share one example with that. Uh, When we started this church, we didn't know what we're doing. We still don't really know what we're doing. It's been three and a half years. But we started with nothing. We had a box truck and a place to meet. And so we had no office space, nothing. And so we literally, uh, our home was our, like, Ground zero. Our garage was our storage unit. Our house was where every meeting took place. Um, We had every event. We would, you know, I've told this story. We would unload our trucks that had everything in our front yard, and our neighbors thought we were moving, you know, because this is where everything happened. All our staff meetings happened in our house. For two years, this happened where it was the center of everything. And to be honest, at the end of those two years, we were dry, we were tired. We had no energy, nothing left in the tank, and said, God, we need an office because we can't continue this way. God, would you provide an office? But, I, but we started praying specifically. We prayed, God, would you provide an office that's close to our house and close to Del Mar? Now, that sounds kind of selfish. Well, kind of, but we'll talk about that in a second. God, would you provide an office that, where we could park our trucks at? That is, would you provide an office where we're, that's like we can have office space to meet and then like a mid-sized gathering because we weren't able to do men's groups or women's groups or any of these things and they're all happening in our house and then anyone else's houses, most houses in California aren't big like the South. You can't do big meetings unless it's outside. And then this is one, God, would you provide an office that is cheap? (laughs) We don't have a whole lot. We're a church plant guy. I don't know if you saw that or not, but we don't have a whole lot. I love this. We started praying, and then we began to pursue. And by the way, that's a disconnect for some. Some of you are praying and not pursuing, and you're missing out. Others of you are pursuing and not praying, and you're missing out. We started praying fervently, specifically, and pursuing. And we're going to all these places, looking around and saying, okay, is this the place? And it was like, no, I mean, office space, wow, really expensive. We can't afford this. And looking at spaces, where can we park our trucks? In the meantime, I asked this church dwell if we could park our trucks at their place. And so we back up there, and they're parked. And it's only about a mile and a half from here. So we got like, okay, awesome, fantastic. And so we parked our trucks there. And then as we're looking for everything around us, I met with their pastor and I said, hey, I'm just curious. Would we be able to rent some space from you? And he said, yeah, I think that would be great. And so if you go to our office today, it is literally maybe a half a mile from my house, a mile and a half from Del Mar. It's cheap. Both our trucks are parked there. There's two large rooms on one side of the, uh, uh, the one big room has we all office out of. On the other side is a great meeting space where we have men's groups. We have women's group. We have leadership meetings. We can fit. We fit 60 in there. Probably shouldn't have, but we can. You see how specific now? Now here's what the deal. God gets all the glory. And guess what? He even answered what I didn't know to pray. The same week that we found out that we got the office, a guy in our church gave me a call. He was closing down his San Francisco office. And he said, Hey, would you guys need office furniture? A week before, we would not need office furniture. That week, we needed office furniture. And so he said, would you guys need office furniture? I said, yes, absolutely. And so he said, all you have to do is pick it up in San Francisco. That's a whole nother story of driving a 26-foot truck downtown San Francisco and the grace of God. Traveling mercies, hello. And so we end up right there. And if you go into the other side of our office where we office out of, you see that office furniture? It looks like we purchased it for that room. Don't stop short at general prayers. Move to specific prayers. When we're specific, it allows God to show up specifically and get all the glory in your life, in my life. And then we get to tell the story of how God worked, not how this fell into our lap how it just so happened. And you get to tell it with confidence because you've been praying that way. So often we, okay, I'm sorry. I'm spending way too much time on this point. (laughs) But so often we diminish the work of God because we didn't specifically ask. Don't stop short of just thinking to pray. Prioritize time to pray. Don't stop short of just general, move to specific. And then as we close right here, don't stop short at my will. Move to thy will. Move to thy will. We'll pick up this theme next week and hit it from a different angle. But did you know that Jesus didn't have his prayers answered the way he wanted all the time. And he was specific. The night he was betrayed, the night before he's to go to the cross, he prayed passionately. He prayed fervently. It's full of desperation, a heart longing. And he prayed this prayer. Father, If you are willing, take this cup from me. Yeah, not my will, but yours be done. See, I I think it's incredibly appropriate, invited by your heavenly father to bring your will, your desires, your longings, your hopes, your dreams to God. When you bring them like this, that is not, you have stopped short. Here is my hopes, here is my longings, here are my dreams, and yet not my will, yours be done. Sometimes God answers no to our request. Sometimes he answers, not yet. Out of his infinite wisdom, his extravagant goodness, and for the glory of his name, he answers. And sometimes we don't understand why in this lifetime. And we come to him and go, God, here's here's our desires. Don't stop short. Don't stop short because you'll miss it. Don't stop short at my will. Move to thy will. God, it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. Jesus prayed this, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And another way to say on earth, in my life, in my circumstances, with my future, with my hopes and dreams. Your will be done. Here's my desire for this relationship. Hello. Here's my longing where our marriage is. Here's my hope and dream for for what is going to happen with my husband or my wife or my friendship or my son or my daughter. But at the end of the day, you are king and you are enthroned above all. And I approach a holy God who's invited me into intimacy with him. And I say, God, here is my desires, but at the end of the day, let thy will be done. How do you engage in prayer? In a way that not only changes you, but the world around you, the invitation is don't stop short. I pray, move to so that. As I was praying for you this morning, a picture came to my mind, and that doesn't often happen. Not that I don't think about you, but I was praying for our time. And I couldn't help but pray for you and pray for us and pray for what God had for us and realize that God was eager. I mean, I don't know if you get this. I hope you hear this, that he, he showed up this morning eager to meet with you. He, he actually showed up excited to meet with you. By the way, he's thrilled that you're here. He's going, you know, for some, you're like, I haven't met with him in like a week. It's like Sunday to Sunday. I don't know if he really wants me there. And he's like, no, I'm happy. You're like, I haven't been here for like months. I haven't talked to God forever. And he's going, I'm so glad you're here. It reminded me of when my wife and I were dating. I, we, uh, we dated long distance. It started with Chicago to Slow, San Luis Obispo, and then Chicago to Sweden. And she was in Sweden for a whole year. It's before Facebook and FaceTime and all those sort of things. We wrote letters. It's with a pencil and paper for some who didn't know what that was. Put a stamp on it. I remember the day she got home. Like it was yesterday. The woman that I love, that I couldn't wait for her to get home so I could a question to spend the rest of my life with. The eager anticipation, excitement, and longing when she walked off that plane to fill her embrace and to say, welcome home. And you just need to know, and you need to hear this morning, that's God towards you. That's God towards you. That's how he feels about you. That's how he thinks about you. And that's what he's longing for you. Would you get that? Oh, that you would know the width and the length and the depth of his love for you. I pray that out of his glorious strength, you might become aware of just how eager he is to be with you. And so this morning, as we close, we're not going to stop short this morning. I want to take time for you to simply be with Jesus.